The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody. Help, you know I need someone. Welcome to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. Family caregivers don't have to be alone in their experiences. You will hear from experts and other caregivers facing the same issues that you may be facing. Now, here is your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Welcome to Episode 160 of Family Caregivers Unite. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, your host. I became an activist for family caregiving after retiring from medical practice. Our topic today is family caregiving, peer support, and mental health and addiction challenges. Now, here are some of the things I've learned about family caregivers from Family Caregivers Unite. First, family caregivers are the members of families who provide their caregiving to partners, parents, children, brothers, sisters, cousins, friends, neighbors, and even co-workers. Family caregivers' caregiving is especially important for family members with incurable physical illnesses, mental illnesses, developmental disorders, and functional challenges, or who are at the end of life. Family caregivers' caregiving includes their being the eyes, the ears, and the voices of their family members. It includes advocating and navigating for them. Family caregivers' caregiving often involves their needing help that lies outside the scope of the healthcare and social systems, such as knowledge of other family caregivers' experiences and innovations, or financial advice, or spiritual support. Family caregivers' caregiving too often costs them their own physical, psychological, and financial health. Family caregivers' caregiving is a hard road to travel. Having traveled it, they often look back to offer a helping hand to family caregivers just starting out, which is why the topic of family caregiving, peer support, and mental health and addiction challenges is so important. To discuss it, my guest is Steve Collagen. Steve is a student of social work at Dalhousie University. He's program assistant at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. He's a telephone support volunteer at the Toronto Distress Centres. He's peer support volunteer at the Family Resource Centre at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health. You see, after 15 years of working in the private sector and information technology, he now channels his energy to the field of mental health. And he brings a renewed sense of purpose arising from his experience of working in a helping profession. And he believes strongly in conveying a message of hope to people with mental illnesses and to their families and friends, and yet he's acutely aware of some, at least, of the challenges they face. So, welcome to the show, Steve. Good 
you named Gordon. Thank you. Now, let's start with the first question for you. Please tell us more about your own experience or experiences of family caregiving. Well, my uh, experiences with caregiving... uh, go back uh, into my 20s uh, I- initially um, being in a in a relationship actually with uh, with uh, with somebody who had um, had basically addiction issues that uh, I didn't really quite understand the the extent of what that really meant um, in a day-to-day uh, sense um, so that was that was some of my earliest experiences with caregiving um, uh, with with someone uh, that I loved, and uh, prior to that, I guess uh, my father um, was um, was struck with um, with anxiety and depression, uh, something that I didn't really understand at all when when it was happening. I didn't know what was going on. Um, I wasn't that young, but it wasn't something that was talked about. Um, and so I'm glad that we're talking about it today, uh, because uh, it, as much as it wasn't very prolonged, uh, it was still very confusing at the time for me, um, not knowing what was going on with my father. Um, later on in life, my father um, had uh, come down with Parkinson's, and so uh, the care that he required after the initial first few years when he was doing relatively well um, was was quite tremendous and was definitely a family uh, effort. Um, so uh, most of that, I would say, was fell on my mother's shoulders, um, which, uh, which we're all grateful for that she was able to do. Um, and I would say more recently is, is with my sister, who has uh, spine issues, um, spinal cord issues, and uh, that's an ongoing story, actually. Um, and in between, uh, I've, uh, it's interesting that uh, uh, I meet friends, or uh, I should say um, friends develop various mental health issues um, from you know depression and anxiety to um, various forms of psychosis to addiction and so forth. Uh, I guess as you get older, you, you know, these things start happening in life. And, and uh, you know, when the, when the communication channels are open between friends and family, you start uh, finding about these things that are going on in people's lives. And sometimes all you have to do is mention, uh, mention that you've experienced something yourself and you find out from your friend that they're actually going through something like that and they just haven't been going through it in silence. Right. Now, please tell us... Uh, as much as you're comfortable doing so, about your own personal experience with mental health and addiction challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, relationship that I mentioned uh, just a minute ago uh, was, I guess, uh, my um, wake-up call um, that I was experiencing my own um, challenges um, and you know ultimately whether we want to call it an addiction or uh, or use some other word uh, to describe it um, uh, that's the way I associate uh, my uh, what was going on for me at the time and it was it was addiction to um, to well I mean in, in, in a, I guess in a very quick kind of way, love and sex and love. 
Um, there's, uh, for instance, a 12-step group that I went to, and that's what they sort of branded it as and called it, and it was called Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous. And and uh, and uh, that was... Um, that relationship was very much a wake-up call for me, and uh, and, uh, and, in a, and in every which way, I'm actually quite grateful for that experience because it woke me up to um, just a new way of looking at things that uh, I think was much needed in my life. Um, and more recently, um, I've been challenged with depression and with some uh, elements of anxiety as well, and uh, that's that's. I would say it's still ongoing in treatment for, for that um, as, uh, as just the picture evolves. And, you know, it's, it's, mental health is one of those things where, um, uh, and probably it's the same with physical health, it, it never stays the same. It's like a changing, um, it's like a moving target sometimes. <laughs> so you have to just, uh, you know, stay on top of it. Steve, um, please now tell us about your voluntary work in peer support, you know, for mental health, addiction challenges, those things that you do. Please tell us about them. Yeah. Um, it's, um, it's an interesting way that that came about. And uh, basically it was through a, a sudden job loss that I had um, back in 2008, I believe it was. And... Um, I mean, short short of just getting away for a couple of weeks and needing to clear my head after that that happened. Uh, one of the first things I did was um, was get involved with the, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto, and that's um, a tremendous organization, a very large organization that uh, that provides uh, some great support and uh, and treatment options for for people, and. Um, and having experienced um, mental health issues as a friend or as a family member, um, I thought there was some opportunity for me to be of support to to other people. And um, and I knew I was going to learn a lot in the process. And boy, did I learn a lot in the process um, uh, about the mental health system, about just other experiences that people have had, uh, similar or quite different Um and so it's, it's been a tremendous uh, learning opportunity uh, for me, just as much as I've been able to um, give back, uh, hopefully, to uh, to the people that come into the center. Um, so that's uh, that's at CAMH, the Family Resource Center, and you can check them out, and, and your and your um, listeners can also uh, look for a family council at the CAM at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Uh, the other place where I um, volunteer is at the Distress Center of Toronto, and that's, uh, it's, it's so rewarding to be there for people when uh, they just need someone to talk to, you know, uh, whatever's going on in their day. Um, they may be alone, isolated for any number of reasons, um, and uh, they could be in a bit of a crisis, having, a, have, having some distress as well, and, you know, just to be able to be there for people. Um, in a different way than I guess, you know, typically we are with each other as friends and family, you know, the type of support that we provide each other that, you know, um, this is a, you know, it, it's, it's obviously a trained approach that, that you're provided, but, uh, it's, it's been tremendously rewarding to be able to be there for people. It, and, um, and I'm, I'm so grateful for both of those opportunities, uh, that have come my way over the last couple of years. 
So would it be right then to say that from your work, as well as your own personal experience, you've mm-hmm. gained an insight which you now can increasingly use to work with others, to help others, and to basically walk arm in arm, in, so to speak, with others yeah. who are going through the kind of things you, you have been through and seen. Is that right? Yes, I would definitely say so. Um, sometimes when I am um, talking with people, if I find that it's be helpful to disclose a bit of my own experience, just to, um, I guess, put myself in a room with the other person, uh, so to speak. Um, you know, I, I do that if I find it, if it might be helpful to the person to sort of know that the person across from them isn't just, you know, uh, providing them information and providing them, you know, an ear to listen, but really actually cares and gets what what it is that they're going through uh, or, or something similar in, in, in some fashion. Um, you know, we, we, we're human beings. We share a, a lot of similar experiences, and sometimes we just need to... Um, convey that to somebody and uh and that definitely helps a person at least not to feel alone in their struggles because um you know these are these are difficult uh these are difficult experiences to have um and it's uh i know for me it's been tremendously comforting um um when i've gotten support you know to know that somebody is you know uh there uh, for starters, and uh, is, uh, has some sort of uh, personal experience is helpful. Um, I, I find, anyway, it's helpful for me to feel a sense of relationship with the person that I'm right. that I've reached out for help for. Now, we mm-hmm. have to go into our break. That's the um, discipline of 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 radio. So let's take mm-hmm. the break now. This is Dr. Gordon Atherley, and my guest is Steve Collagen. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels. Please stay with us. We will be back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Steve Collagen. Our topic is family caregiving, peer support, and mental health and addiction challenges. 
So let's now discuss the challenges of the problems of mental and physical health and of addiction when those things become problems. In other words, problems create challenges. So, Steve, please describe the most difficult challenges which you and your family experienced as a result of mental health and physical health and of addiction problems. Uh, we've had uh, we've had a number of problems over the last uh, seven or eight years, and uh, it's uh, it, uh, I'd feel almost selfish to uh, to pick um, my own challenges um, and uh, and I guess what has meant that meant for myself and for the family. Um, so I'm gonna take a step back and actually um, uh, a couple of examples that uh, that I think I want to answer this question with is um, to do with my father's health uh, first of all um, because that went on for seven years um, the caregiving that was required for my father um, which was a tremendous um, effort on the part of extended family and uh, and and, and friends who who helped out uh, my mother's and father's uh, friends who who um, generously helped as well, um, but uh, mostly by my sister, my mother, and myself. And some of the challenges that we faced there um, was just finding the care that was needed to keep my father at home. Um, that uh, was. Challenging throughout the seven years, much more, I think, than we ever anticipated that something like that would be. Um, when, you know, when you're, don't have the financial means necessarily to hire the best, um, and where money's not an object, uh, maybe that, uh, proves to be less of a challenge, but, um, for probably everyday people, you know, with, with limited budgets and with, Parents who are retired, and uh, and yet you know want to provide the best care for their for their family member at home in the home, uh, which is what my mother wanted to do, and I and I fully understand why she wanted to do that. Um, it can be uh, it can be tremendously challenging finding the the right uh, person to to. To provide that support uh, to to your loved ones, uh, my mother could, clearly could not do this on her own. It was twenty four seven care my father required, and so you know finding uh, a personal support worker to to um, who cared, who had the this, this the skills, just the basic skills to uh, take care of someone, help take care of someone, uh, proved to be a, a tremendous tremendous challenge. I, I, I'm I commonly refer to our front door as a revolving door as caregivers would kind of come and go as we would try to find the right person to uh, to help. And right. thankfully we did find some good angels along the way. Good. Steve, I'm just going to stop you there, not because I want to interrupt you, but because mm -hmm. of another question I want to take you to, which flows from it. Now, okay. the idea here is, in my mind, is that these problems – uh, mental, physical health, and so on, um, create challenges, and the challenges create consequences. So mm -hmm. please say to us what 
the consequences were for your family of the challenges which you and your family experienced as a result of the problems we've been talking about. In other words, what, what were the consequences for you? Um, I would say it was an emotional, a tremendous emotional um, journey, um, very stressful. Um, uh, not every day. Uh, maybe I would, looking back, I would say not on most days, but when it was, it was, it was, um, it was extremely stressful. Um, and I would say that was probably like the worst of it. Um, uh, now I can't speak for my mother because I wasn't in the house, you know, helping to take care of my father, but, um, I would say probably more so for her, it was stressful, uh, Quite a bit. I mean, she, she's an she's an elderly woman, you know, taking care of an elderly man. This is um, this is you know quite a lot to take on for oneself. Um, but she did it, and she did it with love, and she did it with commitment. And uh, and uh, but it certainly had uh, a ripple effect on you know my sister and myself. And my mother knows that uh, you know that uh, we were there for her, and that. Um, you know, we supported her and, uh, with her decision to keep my father at home, but it was certainly, it certainly had a ripple effect to the stress that she was experiencing and, and the help that she needed to take care of my father and to obviously take care of herself in the process. And we would constantly remind herself, her to, to do that, um, to take care of herself in the process. So I would say that the, the stress would be, the, the the most significant consequence for for the family um, now if i can touch upon what uh what i've experienced personally with mental health i don't necessarily know what the consequences were for my family um, as i think they kept that a lot to themselves just as a way of not um, being um just creating additional stress for me. Um, so, unfortunately, I, I wouldn't fully know what the consequences were and are for for my family for um, for for my experiences with mental health and uh, what is that that has meant for them. Now, let me ask you the consequences for you. You, you were very straightforward. You call them ripple effects. You were very straightforward in saying that there were ripple effects for your family, but really they didn't, for good reason, share them with you. Now, what were the consequences then for you personally of these of these challenges? Um. always clear to me what was what's what's going on and what you know it's all these are all new experiences and when you're going through something new um as you know we all do with with any with anything for the first time um just the the the, the, the what you know what what's going on what's what's really going on versus your emotional reaction to what's going on uh can be uh you know um a, a road to navigate um so you know just like in the case when my father uh first came down with park uh, with um depression and anxiety i had no clue what was going on um all i knew it was very difficult to get my father out of bed um to help him to get to work and i'm certain i didn't 
help him in in, in the, the the ideal way because I didn't even know what, what was going on at the time. Um, but uh, I certainly did my best and to try and be a help and support with to him. Um, and hopefully, I wasn't in a, in a little way. Uh, it was so long ago. I I, I really. I really don't even know. Um, boundaries, I would say, was was a huge challenge for me over the years, and that's a constant challenge with when to say yes, when to say no, when to say no, but you know, I, I can't help you in this way, but I can help you in in this other way, and, and, and at that time and so forth. So boundaries has been a, a huge challenge for me. Um, with with the, the care that's been required in my in my family, uh, from with specific family members and, and you know such as my father or my sister, um, so and 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 in that learning to take care of myself, uh, to be there for myself and to do so that when I'm doing what I'm doing to help somebody else out, that I'm not overextending myself and then I'm not ending up being resentful or being impatience or those types of things. So not that to say that I was perfect in any way, but uh, certainly um, certainly the learning to set boundaries is, is, a, is an ongoing challenge. Uh, as we all know, sometimes you, you end up having to say sorry but no to somebody. Um, and when it came down to, you know, the, the end of my father's life, unfortunately, you know, the it was an extremely tough tough decision to uh, to decide, you know, uh, and we did it as a family uh, about what to do, um, you know, whether to intervene medically or to, um, you know, as, as I guess one could say, let nature take its course. Um, those are tremendously tough decisions that, you know, many people have to make. Um, but uh, but thankfully, you know, uh, I didn't have to do it alone. Thankfully, we had each other, and thankfully, we were patient with each other, and we supported each other, and and we gave each other time and space to to make that decision individually. Um, but uh, those are those are some of the challenges that uh, that I, consequences that I faced. Just give us. You mentioned boundaries. Please just give us a, an example of what you mean by boundary. Encounter with the term boundary, I think, was in a 12-step group, <laughs> and uh, I had really no clue about what what that word meant. Um, and you know, it, it's it's basically um, it, the extent to which you know you you, you are prepared to um, um, help somebody. For instance, uh, somebody asks you, you know, can you? come over and, and help me with, with with this thing that I'm working on. I really need your help and so forth. And, you know, um, I, I come from a family where um, very much so my mother, uh, unfortunately, to pick up my mother, pick, pick my mother here, but she, she always said yes to, to whenever somebody needed something from her. And, um, and I had to learn to sometimes say no, but... You know, uh, no, I can't help you right now, um, but I can. I could come tomorrow and help you. Or, sorry, but unfortunately, I can't help you at this time. And these are tough uh, things yeah. to sort of get comfortable with as much as one can get comfortable, you know, because, you know, we don't 
want to hurt somebody else's feelings. We try to be there for the people um, that we care about. And uh, but sometimes we can't be there in in the way that um, that's being asked of us. Yeah, and we don't want to mm-hmm. seem mean either. Exa- do we? No, exactly, because that's mm. you know that's. The, yeah, especially coming from the background that I that I come from, uh, it's a very loving and supportive family, yeah, uh, an yeah. extended family, and uh, and there's a lot of that that a lot of that love is is very evident, and uh, and so sometimes saying no is like <laughs> you're you're. Um, Letting down all your ancestry or something of that nature. Quite, quite. Now, at that point, I'm going to take the break because that's the time is upon us. So, mm-hmm. this is Dr. Gordon Natalie, and my guest is Steve Collagen. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Listen for MD Radio on the Voice America Variety Channel. That's Muscular Development Radio. Every Monday, your host, Sean Ray, will take you inside the world of bodybuilding and health and fitness. The show will feature Hall of Fame bodybuilders, trainers, judges, and the future champions of tomorrow. Plus, you'll be invited to participate in our call-in Ask the Pros feature. And our nutritional spotlight will feature products that can help you achieve your fitness goals. MD Radio is broadcast live Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Steve Collagen. Our topic is family caregiving, peer support, and mental health and addiction challenges. So let's now talk about help for family caregivers and their families when they're experiencing the challenges of mental health and addiction problems. So Steve, what has been your family's experience of getting the help you needed to confront all the challenges you all faced with these problems we're talking about. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Um, when I was personally going through um, coming to terms with accepting and recovering from addiction, um, that was that was mainly a journey that I um, that I. Um, took uh, independently of my family, um, especially in the in the early stages of it. Um, I, um, the help that I was getting was more from twelve step groups, from what I would refer to as you know having these um, wonderfully wonderful meetings and encounters with you know wise souls who provided me. Um, some great 
insights, some small little things to just help me, uh, help me through that. And it wasn't necessarily always about, about the addiction that I was getting help with. It was just life ex- uh, experience that I was chalking up and I was learning to see things in a, in, in a new way, um, from work to pleasure and everything in between. So, um, I brought my family into it to the extent that I felt it was, you know, that I, I didn't want to burden them with it. Um, obviously, you know, my relationship with my family had been affected uh, by uh, by the addiction and by my inability to sort of cope um, as well as possible emotionally and, and mentally you know, with with life and what was going on. Um, but it was, uh, as I said, for the first part of it, I, it was very much more of a journey that I took uh, took on my own. Um, I actually haven't, I don't think I've even fully disclosed to my mother what it was that I went through. My sister knows. Um, um, but uh, my mother, um, the way I approached it with my parents was to um, just to heal the relationship, not that it was anything bad or, or, or terribly wrong with it, but just to improve on it, just to let them know that I ultimately do appreciate um, what they brought into my life and the things that they sacrificed and did for me and so forth, and just to give them um, more consciously the, the love back to them. Now, let me take you to the next question, which is now bringing your voluntary work into the picture. So what have you learned from your voluntary work about the most important types of help that's needed by family caregivers and their families when they're experiencing the types of challenges we're talking about? What have you learned from? What have I learned? Um, I was in a, I, I'm more in a, in a, I guess in a peer support role when I'm uh, working with families, um, and just coming back from the, you know, back to the model of support that I got um, early on with recovery from addiction, it's, you know, the, the, um, there's there's a tremendous value from professional help, and there's a tremendous value from the, the help of peers, be it in a professional role or or in a voluntary role. Um, and just to know that somebody uh, understands what you're going through because they've experienced something similar is is it's a different kind of help um, that I, I've just has resonated tremendously with me and, and, I, and I've gotten a tremendous amount of value from it over the years. Um, Families, I guess, the most important types of help. Sometimes it's education. Sometimes it's information uh, that they need just to understand what's going on. You know, what, what I was experiencing with my father in my early to mid twenties, if I recall, um, was about the time frame, and uh, I didn't know what was going on, and I don't know to what extent my mother knew what was going on, um, and uh, got information and and so forth. But she, I mean, she seemed to handle it. Uh, pretty well, and uh, my father thankfully um, got it, got help fairly quickly, and and um, and uh, and it wasn't something we had to uh, muddle our way through for a prolonged period of time. Um, 
So information, education on what's going on, what what the condition is about, uh, what does it mean for the person going through it, what does it mean for the family member, um, you know, in terms of how maybe they have to communicate differently with the person. Um, uh, and as uh, one of my... Um, my colleagues there at the Family Resource Center says that sometimes, you know, it involves um, mourning the loss of the person that the that uh, uh, of the individual as they were, and um, learning to embrace the person that they are becoming or have become. And that doesn't mean that the person that you're embracing them just because, uh, an ill person, but that you know sometimes these things change change the nature of the person a little bit. And, uh, and so, um, and so there's an embracing of that, 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 um, that, uh, I don't like to use the word should happen or, but, you know, maybe it's best to embrace this person that's, um, that's coming out of this condition, you know, um, for myself, I know that, you know, that, uh, Coming out of addiction has been uh, has has changed me uh, absolutely. I don't I don't think anyone can go through any experience without somehow being changed somewhat from it. And so, um, and so, uh, families, you know, uh, may need to uh, consider embracing uh, these these changes in this person and and, and uh, other types of help needed by family caregivers. Um, counseling, professional counseling, um, you know, uh, there's definitely families that come to us and ask, uh, at the Family Resource Center for professional support. And so sometimes, you know, that's, that's what's needed, uh, to, to help them, uh, with, um, just coming to terms and, uh, and understanding what's, what's going on and, and helping them cope. Um, they may need some professional help as well. So, uh, you know, that's, those are some of the things that come to mind as, uh, with the question that uh, you, just, you just asked. Right. Steve, mm. um, just to follow up on the help, you've identified help in a very important way. Now, there's the question of how the help should be provided. You know, what are the ways in which it should be provided to families in the situations we're talking about? They're confronting mm-hmm. the challenges. So what are the ways in, in, in that you've learned are helpful, largely from your voluntary work, but also perhaps from your personal experience? What are the ways? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say one of the most important ways is is when someone does reach out for help uh, to a healthcare professional of, of some type, um, is is for that person to consider um, the, the healthcare professional to consider um, you know the bigger picture. Uh, you know, if you have someone in front of you um, communicating with you about um, them facing some mental health challenges of some of some type of addiction um, is to you know imagine that there is a family and around this person. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. You know, there's a, different circumstances for different people, um, and to see if you know the support that others will may need. Um, 
as a result of the person uh, with the mental health issue or the addiction. So, you know, sometimes can be missed, you know, um, mm-hmm. by, uh, by professionals. Um, and so I would say that's one avenue for um, getting help to family caregivers is, is so let's say, for example, um, I go to my doctor and I talk to them about, uh, I talk to him about uh, what, what's going on for me uh, mental health-wise. And, you know, um, for him to know that I may have a, um, a partner uh, or I may have a parent who's living and maybe needs some help to sort of understand what I'm going through, um, I think that's, uh, you know, definitely an important avenue uh, for for help for family caregivers um, because, you know, even though I don't live with my mother or, uh, you know, she may need help to sort of understand what's going on for me uh, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully that helps her set her mind uh, a bit at ease. You know, as they say, education is, is the key and, uh, and so um, I think informing oneself never, never hurts. Does that answer your question yeah. about uh, avenues of help? Yes, it does. And okay. I just like I just like to um, ask you, when it comes to that situation of you working with a family and not just the individual who's the focus of the healthcare attention, mm-hmm. how how important is it for people to ask the question about what lies ahead? for us as a family, for the individual? What are the things we should be looking out for? Is that a useful question uh, to be asked? And if so, who should it be asked to? What do you think, Steve? Um, I think that, that that's definitely a good question. Um, and even though the road may be unclear um, and very individual, uh, and that's possibly what makes it unclear, um, because it's, it's it's such an individual journey um, through the through recovery and so forth. Uh, I think it's I think it's a very good question to ask. Just you know, just so that everyone gets gets a sense of what what could be ahead. You know, what are other people's um, you know recoveries look like, um, and you know, and in turn, one can sort of. Um, get a sense of, you know, what to expect, you know, right. uh, it's a winding road. Uh, yes. It's a winding road. And so it's, you know, ideally it's, 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 uh, on a, on a, uh, on an uphill climb in a good way and it, everything is goes smoothly. But, um, you know, there may be some things along the way that you, you have to stand up and advocate for yourself and, 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 and get, uh, the help that you need. Um, if it's, if something's being missed, and uh, by the healthcare system or, or otherwise. Right. Now, mm-hmm. again, unfortunately, it's that time to break off and take the break. So okay. this is Dr. Gordon Adley. My guest is Steve Collagen. You're listening to Family Caregivers Unite on the Voice America Variety and Empowerment channels. Stay tuned. We're coming back. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley. If you have any questions or comments about our program, 
please address them by email to docg at familycaregiversunite.org. Now, back to Family Caregivers Unite. Welcome back to our listeners to Family Caregivers Unite and Steve Kalajan. Our topic is family caregiving, peer support, and mental health and addiction challenges. So now let's talk about more help for family caregivers and their families experiencing the challenges of mental health and addiction problems, and also, Steve, your messages. But first of all, Steve, in what ways would you like to see more help provided by the healthcare and social services systems to family caregivers and their families when they're experiencing the kind of challenges we've been talking about? I think a lot more can be done to educate people. Um, and I would almost take that back to uh, a responsibility that could be introduced in, in schools, um, just as a way to sort of introduce to people that, you know, there is a chance, you know, that you will encounter people in your life, family members, friends, otherwise, who may have, you know, one of these various conditions. And, you know, let's, let's have a conversation about that because, um, you know, for, for most of the people that experience mental health issues, it, it happens at a, at a, quite a young age, um, in teens in the early, uh, early twenties. Um, and so, um, you know, just, just to have that awareness um, and understanding of these things rather than, um, you know, rather than operating from a, from a place of not knowing, which can, have, can, can be, you know, uh, just much more complicated than it needs to be. Um, so I, I would almost put that a bit of responsibility into the education system um, to, to inform uh, people uh, about uh, mental health issues and addictions. Um, I, I know it certainly would have been much appreciated if I even even knew what the heck any of this was when I was when I was younger. I remember my first time somebody uh, shared with me that there was a mental health issue at all was when I was in university and a friend of mine was uh, was dating somebody with schizophrenia. I had no clue what that meant. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, my friend ended, uh, was extremely mature and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, informed me and, and, and stayed with the relationship with, with, uh, with, um, her boyfriend at the time. And, uh, but I think education, uh, in, in a, to the general public could, could start as young as, you know, being in, introduced in high school. Um, right. The, yeah. So that that would be one way to provide, you know, Good. not necessarily help the caregivers, but um, directly who are experiencing uh, the challenges of mental health and addiction, but uh, helping them, helping just the population in general to sort of uh, understand, better understand uh, the nature of these things. Good. Now, I'm only interrupting you because, again, time looms, because mm-hmm. I now want to hear your message the message you'd like to give to health care and social service professionals regarding more help for family caregivers. What's your message for them? Um, I would almost say, and, and I guess this comes more from my experience of, uh, of, the, of the challenges we face as a family with, uh, with just health care.
care in general. Uh, and so my message would be um, to really demonstrate, to make it evident, more evident, more of the time. Uh, not to say that it wasn't all the time, but uh, it's more evident that they really care and they really get what you know that what you're going through, and uh, and that it must be you know a tremendous challenge and so forth. And and so you know there was always a difference when we could, we could always tell when a nurse came in the room, and uh, and she really you know there was a certain energy about her that uh, or him that uh, that was different from from others and 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 you could tell that they cared and that they really um and that that makes such a tremendous difference it, it seems like a small thing but when when it's palpable in the room that uh, that somebody really cares and is really um their their kind heart is just coming through everything that they're doing uh it makes a huge difference um with uh just reducing the stress level i would say um uh, as it is as it is stressful uh, experience when especially when you're in a hospital setting that's more of an emergency crisis type situation um than you know everyday sort of uh ongoing care and, and support um so that um that would be my one message i guess i would have for uh, for the healthcare professionals okay now mm-hmm. the last one What's your message of hope for family caregivers and their family members, Steve? Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's lots of reason to have hope. There's um, so many different ways of um, of approaching, you know, care, uh, support, treatment. There's so many agencies out there that that you know have different philosophies or, or just a, a variety of agencies out there who, who can be a support to families, uh, to people with mental health issues. So it's a matter of, um, of finding the resources that you need uh, that cater to your individual uh, needs. Um, and so uh, I would say there's there's plenty of reason to have hope for for the interim while your loved one is maybe in the throes of uh, of a mental health issue or an addiction and for support for yourself, um, such as places I've volunteered at, like the Family Council at Cam at uh, Center for Addiction and Mental Health and the Toronto Distress Center. I mean, these are just but a couple of examples of plenty of agencies out there that uh, that are there for family caregivers. And so I would say just searching if you, if you if you knock down one door and it doesn't seem to be the right one, you know, don't let that dissuade you at all just move on to the next or ask for a referral for another to another agency that uh, maybe provides the the support that you need um so there's there's lots of support out there and i would just say keep knocking down the doors until you find the, the ones that give you the the support that uh, that you need whether it's personal uh, sorry whether it's um peer support or professional support um over the phone or in person on the internet uh you know there's 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 lots of avenues to to get support for oneself steve um, I just want to go back to the comment you made about education in schools. And this is a difficult question to ask you, but 
As you know, and more and more of us know, there's still stigmatization of people with mental illnesses and related matters. And now we're starting as a society to address that stigmatization. Maybe it should have been addressed a long time ago, but we're now starting to do it. So your idea of the, your suggestion about education in schools, is that something that you think would contribute also to dealing with the challenges of stigmatization? What do you think? Um, I, I, I can say that it would at least help somewhat. Um, I think stigma generally comes from a lack of understanding. Um, it may come from, for other reasons, um, but, uh, you know, when, when you don't understand what, what, uh, what an illness is about, um, you start labeling it as crazy or, or whatever the case may be, or, you know, and so that's, that just, um, that doesn't help anybody. And so, uh, I think education is is key um, for for reducing the stigma, you know. Uh, and I think there are, you know, as you um, as we've talked about, um, there's this is becoming more of a hot topic these days, uh, mental health and so forth. And uh, and I think that does um, can only do a lot of good. There's, uh, you know, uh, for instance the campaigns in and around the Toronto area that are being um, uh, made by the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health is definitely getting people talking. And getting people talking, um, Bell is obviously involved in, in having a, a Let's Talk campaign. I think that takes place in February. Um, you know, these, these types of things start getting people talking about things that they wouldn't otherwise necessarily talk about. And, and um and you know, if if they can just be a little bit curious in the process of of talking about it, then you know, um, I think then uh, that definitely would help uh, reducing the stigma and uh, and these and going back to the example of school uh, educating in in, in schools. Um, uh, I think it's, it's just it's just an idea of mine, um, and um, you know there there there's a lot of sensitivities around that, obviously, um, but. Uh, so much information is passed on at such a young age about history, about geography, about math, um, biology, and so this, I, I think this could be just something else that uh, children are, you know, just introduced to uh, in the course of their education system. Right. Now, I'm just mm -hmm. going to, I'm going to close, but I want, in saying thank you to you, Steve, I just want to make a point to you. I think what you've been doing in this episode, um, which is talking frankly and openly about your own experiences and that of your family, is also part of this broad education that you, you have been articulate, you've been somebody who is totally believable because you have the been there, done that experience. And when other people are wondering about, first of all, whether they are affected, whether their families are affected, or wondering how to help, or wanting to better understand. You yourself, and people like you, are extraordinarily helpful. Uh, I know that. It's your stories that really matter. And they matter a lot more than statistics, or sometimes what doctors or nurses say, because you've been there, you've done that. So thank you. And thank you. may I also... 
also take the opportunity to wish you success in your studies uh, because social work needs you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very much, Gordon. And thank you so much for the opportunity. This is, uh, this is tremendous, and I very yeah. much appreciate it. You're very, you're very welcome. And I want to just say a quick thank you to our listeners. We'd like to hear your comments on this episode. And from our listeners, I'd also like to hear from you about ideas for topics, if you're interested or if you're interested in being a guest on the show. Now, in our next episode, we'll talk about circles of support for mental illness. Please join us. Same time, same spot on the Internet. Talk to you then. Thank you again for joining us this week for Family Caregivers Unite with your host, Dr. Gordon Atherley. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And until then, we hope our program will help make the coming week easier and more hopeful. And I do appreciate you being Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.